0: As you're taking your seats, you can go ahead and take your Bibles and open up to the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 1. It's uh, right after Psalms, right around the middle of your Bible, and um, we're starting a new series this morning in the book of Proverbs, our summer series. It's called Wisdom Required. You'll see it on the slide behind me there. Wisdom Required, Applying God's Truth to Everyday Life. And you'll notice there that on this kind of slide, you'll notice there's a question mark beside the wisdom required. It's supposed to be a little bit thought-provoking. It's supposed to kind of cause you to consider a few different realities when it comes to wisdom. For instance, do we believe we need wisdom? When we look at the situations we're facing in life, do we ask the question, do I require wisdom for this? Do I have the right wisdom in this moment, in this situation? It's supposed to cause us to ask this question, do I value wisdom? Do I long for wisdom? Do I seek wisdom? This is such an important question in our world today, isn't it? We look around our world and we can certainly see that there is a desperate need for wisdom and i would argue that the church needs to be those who exemplify a pursuit of wisdom so that the world can look to us and see the wisdom that we have from god we're constantly right now being bombarded with information with ideas and with instances that require us to think to think carefully to think deeply and to think critically. I was watching an interview recently with a a famous scholar and professor, and he was being interviewed, and the interviewer had him kind of walk through his, his background a little bit and his upbringing. He grew up in a very poor area with not a lot of opportunities. He learned to read a little bit later, actually, in his young life, around the age of seven or eight, he started learning how to read. He was able to get into a decent school, and he was able to kind of climb the ranks academically. And he's, again, he's a brilliant, brilliant man, professor now. And so the interviewer looked at him and said, essentially, so would you then say that education is really the key for success for people? And his response was this. He said, no, some of the most disastrous ideas in the world have come from the most highly educated people with the highest IQs. So, the interviewer kind of rephrased his questions and said, Okay, so perhaps then critical thinking with a little bit of education kind of mixed in there. Is that what you say is the key to kind of successful living? And the professor's response was this I will settle for almost any kind of thinking, it's so rare these days. This is true. We live in a soundbite society, we get information in an instant. We get most of our news through tweets, and it's caused us to not really be a people who think carefully and critically and deeply about the issues that we're encountering on a regular basis. We're a culture that's fueled by emotion and reaction. Sadly, even in the church of Jesus Christ, we are often not characterized as a thinking people. We are impulsive and impatient and impenitent. But wisdom requires that we become a thinking people, a people who learn how to think God's thoughts after Him, that we slow down and we commit to the process of learning and growing. While we need to slow down to be able to think carefully and critically, we also need to hurry up and get wisdom. We need to pair these two tensions together. Benjamin Franklin once wrote The tragedy of life is that we get old too soon and wise too late. So this book the book of Proverbs, in this sermon, in this series, is really about us getting wisdom and learning to apply God's truth to everyday life. And I want to look at this idea of wisdom and folly this morning, because this is really the the paradigm or the grid through which the entire book of Proverbs needs to be read and understood. There are two categories in life, wisdom and folly, I want to look at the three angles of wisdom and folly. I want to look at the purpose, the problem, and the plan. But before we dive in, I want to read the text. So let's do that. Let's read from verse 1 through verse 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction." three angles this morning as we look at wisdom and folly, the purpose, the problem, and the plan. Let's look first at the purpose. Here it is. Wisdom must be learned. Very simple. Wisdom must be learned. That's the purpose of this book. It's actually the purpose of a proverb itself. The Hebrew noun for proverb is related to a verb that literally means to represent or to be like something. So a proverb, you can think of it like this, it's like a little model of reality. It's a little verbal representation of some aspect of our daily lives. And we're supposed to be able to pick up a proverb and flip it around and look at all the different angles so that we can see how to learn, or learn, excuse me, how to live life well. The world says, live and learn. God says, learn and live. Wisdom must be learned. That's the first thing we see, just in the nature of this very book itself. But let's ask this question, it begs this question: what exactly is wisdom? And how do we define that and understand it? Well, the word of God actually gives us some vivid pictures of what wisdom is or how it's supposed to be understood. For example, in Exodus chapter 35, verse 31. The word wisdom that's used here in Proverbs is used there as well to speak of the skill of an artist who is adorning the tabernacle. In Jeremiah 10, verse 9, we see the expertise of a goldsmith is called the work of skilled men or the work of wise men. In Psalm 107, verse 27, The word wisdom is used to describe the knowledge of sailors who use the winds and the tides to navigate their way through the sea towards their destination. The idea that leaps out of all of these illustrations is simply this. It's skill and expertise. And when you think about wisdom, here's how you need to think about it. It is the skill and expertise of living life well. It's knowing how to live life properly in accordance with God's rules in God's world. The purpose of Proverbs is to learn this skill. It is to make you better at living life, to make you an expert at living life. And the author of Proverbs we see here is predominantly Solomon, the son of David, who is the king of Israel. Solomon is the wisest man, as we read earlier this morning in, in 1 Kings 4. He's the wisest man to ever live, apart from Jesus Christ. Arguably, there's nobody else on earth who is as wise as Solomon, apart from Jesus And Solomon, alongside the divine author of this book, God Himself, is telling us that wisdom must be learned and that it's focused in on two key areas of our lives. Here they are, okay? Deep thinking and deep character. You need to be concerned about being a person of strong or deep character and a person with deep ability to think, to cut it straight, we see that in verse 2 here. Notice this idea of deep or strong character. To know wisdom and instruction, it says. Verse 3 to 4 actually elaborate on that aspect, wisdom instruction. Drop down you'll see he uses the word instruction there. To receive instruction in wise dealing. And notice what he says here. In righteousness, justice, and equity to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. And this idea of instruction, then, is intended to be seen as, as moral predominantly. The idea of righteousness and equity and justice, he's talking about moral categories, making you a person of deep character and integrity. That's the primary concern here, that we're a people who reflect the very character of God in the world around us. But it's also concerned about an ability to think deeply and to think rightly. You'll notice the second half of verse 2 there, to understand words of insight. Verse 6 elaborates on this. Drop down and you'll see what he says. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. understanding, again, it carries a moral connotation to it. This idea of discernment, it's the ability to look at life around you and discern what is right and wrong, true and false, good or evil, to be able to cut through everything and to know what would most honor God, what would be most pleasing to Him. This is oftentimes quite a skill, The point here is that you and I know how to think deeply and carefully, biblically, morally, theologically, ethically, righteously. It requires competence that understands how life really works, how to achieve successful and even beautiful results as we live life in God's world. So, you see, throughout the book of Proverbs, God is actually coaching us in the wisdom that we need throughout the long and complicated path of our everyday lives, trying to teach us how to navigate all of the complexities that we we face on a regular basis. So, we need to start by understanding the purpose of this book, the purpose of a proverb, and the purpose of wisdom itself. We need to learn how to be wise, to apply the principles of God's Word in a way that is pleasing to Him and beneficial to us and those around us. Secondly, we also need to consider the problem. Wisdom must be learned. I mean, the purpose and the problem, in one sense, are one and the same. Verses 2 through 6 describe the purpose and the problem of this book. And that is just that, that wisdom must be learned. In other words, the problem is none of us are born wise. Every one of us lacks wisdom. The word instruction reminds us that we are, again, not inherently wise. We're not born with this aptitude to be wise. And the primary purpose of Proverbs, you'll notice too, is the instruction of the young, of the youth. Look at verse 4. Solomon writes, he says, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Why single out the youth? Well, Because they don't have the wisdom. I hate to break it to you, kids. You're not as wise as you think you are. Some of you are like, you don't know me. I know you. I I know generally you. I was one of you. And here we're just being reminded, listen, that that wisdom needs to be learned, and it needs to be learned at a young age. It needs to be imparted to youth, to children, but notice that it's not just for children either. Did you catch this? Look at verse 5. It's also for those who are already mature and learned. Verse 5 says, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Those who are, are mature and older and have more life experience, listen, while you may be wise, you still have wisdom to learn. You can kind of look at this and, and kind of think about it like this. Do you, do you want to know what wise people know? That they need more wisdom. That The wisest people of all know that they're not wise enough, that they still need more Wisdom. You know, it's funny, when we're young, we think we know it all, right? Some of us never grow out of that, unfortunately. But when we're young, we really think we know it all. It's usually not good when people ask you if there is anything you don't know everything about. That's not a compliment. The older I get, the more I hear myself saying, or at least I hear myself thinking this in my mind man, there's so much I don't know. I, I know more than I used to know, but what I know now is I don't know nearly as much as I need to know. And there are two ways to learn wisdom through education, somebody teaching it to you and imparting it to you, or through experience. And typically, many of us enjoy getting our wisdom through experience, the school of hard knocks. Many of us love to get our wisdom the hard way. We don't want to be told it from others. We want to learn it ourselves. We gain much wisdom through discipline, through being chastened and corrected but oftentimes, we just need to acknowledge that's, that's the painful way to go about gaining wisdom. That's the hard way. That's the humiliating way. It's so hard to admit, isn't it, that we're wrong? But we make progress in wisdom to the extent that we are teachable. You cannot grow in wisdom if you will not be a teachable person. And I would just say you need to be willing to choose education over experience every day of the week. That's always the easiest path. Learn it from others. Soak it up from their experiences. And that's essentially what Solomon is trying to do here. He's trying to say, especially to those of you who are young, he's trying to say, hey, learn it now. Learn it from me. Now, Think about this for a second. Solomon, we know, who wrote this book, was not a perfect man. He was a wise man. He was filled with knowledge about all kinds of things. People flocked from all over the world to hear his proverbs and his wisdom. And yet what we know is that he struggled in much of his life morally. He capitulated. He compromised when it came to following the Lord. His life was marred by significant sin, just like every one of ours. It's interesting here that that he's actually speaking in the context. The primary audience is his children. You realize that? Look down at verse 8 for a moment. He says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Now, I love, by the way, looking around here, there's tons of children I love that, kids. It's really, you're doing so good, by the way. Keep it up. The moment you say that is the moment everything falls apart. Some of you are going to say, can you please not say that in the middle of the sermon? But I, just for a moment, just look at, look at me for a second. You, you need to see that this book was written with you in mind. You're young. How many of you first kids, I got a question for you. You can help me out here. How many of you know that your parents don't know everything? Hands up. Some of you guys have really duped your kids, or do you just put the fear of God into them already? Like, you, you, you don't put your hand up. It's true. Your parents don't know everything. Listen, but they know a whole lot more than you know. And and I I just, listen, children, this is so, this, I just, I listened to to Solomon write these words, and I can't tell you how many times, how many times parents, as a parent, have you thought about your kids, or you've looked at your kids in the eye, and you said something like this, don't make the same mistakes I made. How many times have you prayed that, that God, that God would protect your kids from making the same mistake you made, from falling down the same ways you fell down, from walking some of the paths that you walk? I can't tell you how many times I have prayed that prayer, God, protect them from, from Lord, in the path that I walked in this situation, in this area of my life. Lord, please, And this is like Saul, listen, your parents, kids, listen, your parents don't know everything, but they know a lot, and God has put them in your life for a reason. One of the primary reasons God has given you the parents he's given you, especially if they love the Lord, is so that they can help you see the wise ways to walk, the ways that are gonna bless you and help you. They love you so much, and they're trying to help guard you and guide you. They wanna prevent you from hurting yourself, And parents, listen, those of you who are older, I know that's your heart for your kids, but listen, it's as if God is speaking through the scriptures to you and to me, and he's grabbing us by the face, and he's looking at us as his children and saying, listen, listen, I love you. I want what's best for you. I want you to walk the paths that are going to bring blessing into your life, not pain and tragedy and heartache. You can hear God saying, right, listen to me, listen to my words, right, there are graceful garland around your neck. If you can see them for what they are, you will be so blessed in life. Look at, look at the end of verse 7. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools So I'm saying don't be a fool. Kids, listen. And and some of you adults need to pay attention to this too. You are going to be surrounded by others in your life who are going the wrong direction. And they are going to try to convince you to follow with them along the path of destruction. Destruction. And you need to commit now in saying, now I want to be wise. I don't want to be the fool. I don't want to despise wisdom and instruction. This book only gives us two options, wisdom and folly. They're the only two alternatives. And what you choose will either lead to prosperity or pain. They'll lead to blessings, maybe not physically or materially, but certainly spiritually. Or they're going to lead to great pain, right? We always say this around here, choose to sin, choose to suffer. You reap what you sow. Why do we so often choose the things that bring so much pain into our lives? Why, why do we continually gravitate toward those things? The simple answer is this, sin. Sin. Our flesh is is inherently sinful, which is the big problem that we have, right? Wisdom isn't natural to us because what is natural is our fallen condition. Our flesh loves sin. We love to feed the sin monster inside of us. And sin is usually, listen, it's so tempting because it provides instant pleasure. It's more comfortable. It's easier. It doesn't require as much discipline and diligence and effort. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said this, all sin is folly, all sinners are fools. This is our great problem, and we need to embrace the bankruptcy of foolishness before we can properly treasure wisdom. We have to see the inherent danger that it provides for us, and so I just want to give you four quick ways we see the bankruptcy of foolishness. First is this, folly will destroy your character. Folly will destroy your character. If you choose to be a fool and walk in foolishness, you will ruin your character. Proverbs 19.1 says this, better is a person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. If you want to choose sin, you just need to know this, your character and your credibility will be destroyed and tarnished. It will make you difficult to trust. It will make you hard to be around. People will typically flee from you rather than gravitate towards you. The only people who will flee or gravitate towards you are those of like character. Secondly, folly will deaden your conscience. Conscience is that gift from God that all of humanity has. That little indicator inside of us, you know, that that reminds us or, or, or convicts us that something's not quite right. I don't think this is right, pleasing, honoring to God. But the conscience, even in a Christian, can be deadened quieted. And that happens over repeated exposure to sin, willfully pursuing sin, when you know it's sin. We've all had this experience where we know that we're doing something wrong, but we choose to do it anyways. And the next time we go to do it, it's just that little bit easier. I don't feel quite as guilty about it. And pretty soon, we're doing things in our lives we never thought we were capable of doing. Amen? One small step leads to another. That's your conscience being killed and deadened. Sin is overriding the conscience, killing the conscience within you. It is, I like to think of the conscience almost like a smoke detector, right? The smoke detector in your house exists to detect the big problem, right? To protect you and your family. Only a fool hears the smoke detector and doesn't pay attention to the smoke but disconnects the smoke detector. That leads to the next point here. Folly will determine your consequences. Proverbs 10.10 10 says this, a babbling fool will come to ruin. Again, choose to sin, choose to suffer. Folly brings nothing but trouble, destruction, pain, regret. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, here's the thing that should concern you most. Lastly, folly dishonors your Christ. It's not just your reputation that's at stake. It's the reputation of your Savior, your King, the one who bled and died to set you free from the power of sin and the penalty of sin Every time we choose foolishness, it's like we're dragging the name of Jesus through the mud. And every time the world watches Christians, listen, act so foolishly and sinfully, you know what they're thinking? That's not a God worth following. You know, as I I consider the fact that we're all fools, and we've all done foolish thing in many ways, I'm so thankful to be reminded, listen, that even if you've been walking a path of foolishness, even today, listen, God is so gracious, isn't He? That God can take a man like Solomon, who sinned miserably, a man like David, and you just walk through the Scriptures, and what you see is a long list of unfaithful people who God chose to forgive, restore, and use in spite of their weakness. In fact, because of their weakness, to demonstrate the power of God, the kindness of God, the mercy of God, but let us be a people who do not, do not run towards sin and foolishness, but resist it with everything we have. And listen, these guardrails, these, these warning signs are supposed to be guardrails for your life to prevent you from walking into the ditches that will bring ruin and destruction to your life. So we need to hear that so that we can avoid that and we can properly then value wisdom because wisdom does the opposite of foolishness. It leads us down paths of righteousness. It protects us. It guides us. It brings us joy and satisfaction. So here's the third point this morning, the plan. Wisdom must be learned. You getting the point yet? The plan is that wisdom has to be learned. In other words, listen, wise people strategize about how to become more wise. They don't believe they're just going to stumble into wisdom. They pursue it. They're intentional about it. They run after it. So how do we do that? I want to give you five quick kind of principles to help us kind of get that ball rolling as we're going to dive into this series and begin to explore a number of different topics of wisdom and folly in the coming weeks. Here's what you can commit yourself to even this morning. The first is this. Learn it. Learn it. You see there in verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning. Proverbs 4 verse 5 says this, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Proverbs 4 7 says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Like this is where it starts, you got to get after it. Proverbs 16, verse 16 says this, how much better to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. In other words, listen, listen, you can have everything the world has to offer you, but if you don't have wisdom, you have nothing. Wisdom is so much more precious than money and possessions. Wisdom is what you need to get. So learn it, embrace that reality, and then secondly, long for it. You you can know that you ought to pursue something, but if you don't long to do it, then you're actually not going to do it. And this has actually been my prayer for my heart and for your heart, for our church this week. I am praying that God, even this morning, right now, is giving you a deeper longing for wisdom. That right now you're seeing, I know I need to learn it, but man, I, I, I desperately realize I need it, I want it. And so here's where you can start. Start like Solomon did. Remember what we read in, in 1 Kings chapter 4 at the beginning of the service? You want to know how you long for it? Pray for it right now. You can, you can pause right now in your heart. Just start, God, give me divine wisdom. Make me wise. Give me a longing for wisdom above any other earthly thing. God, God, listen. God delights in those kind of prayers. I promise you, that's a prayer that God wants to answer for you this morning. There's not a doubt in my mind that if you, like, just think about Solomon. God, give me wisdom that I might be able to discern, discern between your people, to lead them and guide them, to shepherd them in what is right and wrong. Do you want to know what Solomon was ultimately saying, what so pleased God? It's simply this. He's saying, God, let me represent you well to the people. Let me shepherd them like you want to shepherd them. Let me guide them like you. third, do this, listen to it. You actually have to listen to the wisdom that God has given you. Be humble, be teachable, hear, study, understand. Listen to this, Proverbs nineteen twenty says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs 23.22 says this, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Can I just, here's, here's one of the greatest ways you can do this. You can listen to advice. Invite it into your life. Ask people around you who are wise to speak wisdom into your life, to bring correction and encouragement, to adjust the way you're thinking. Be willing to hear from people who know more than you. But you've got to ask. You've got to ask people. You've got to trust that God is going to speak through the people in your life, through the Word of God as you come to it. Fourth, do this. Love it. Love it. Listen to this. Proverbs 4, 6 says, Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. That's right. You heard stupid from the pulpit. It's in the Bible. And the Bible warns us, don't be stupid. Don't pursue foolishness. Instead, love discipline. Love correction. Love those, listen, love those who are willing to say the hard things to, you, to your face, even when it's hard to hear it. Treasure the wisdom of God. Treasure those who are willing to give you wisdom from God. And then finally do this, live it, live it. All the wisdom in the world is pointless if you don't do anything with it. Know what to do, but do what you know. I said at the beginning, the world says live and learn, God says learn and live. Proverbs 7.2 says this, keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Chapter 9, verse 6 says, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Listen, it's not just about living it out. In living it out, you're experiencing life as it was meant to be experienced. You're going to experience the greater joy and satisfaction of walking in obedience to the Lord. But here's what I would say. Listen, those five principles are crucial for you to embrace today, but there is one small detail that we've skipped over and it is the starting place for all of this. You can't do any of this without this verse verse 7. Notice this word here, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You can have all the wisdom that the world has to offer, but if you do not have this, you are actually a fool in the eyes of God. Wisdom, knowledge begins with fearing God. Here's what John Calvin says. He says, men are fools till they submit to the Word of God. And the Word of God says this, that men are fools until they submit to the God of the Word. You see, the wisdom of Proverbs, like I said, comes from Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Right up front, the book tells us that it stands in the flow of biblical history which leads us straight to Jesus Christ. Here's the point. This side of the cross, the fear of the Lord, is the fear of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the beginning of wisdom. To be truly wise, you must embrace what the Apostle Paul calls the, w- the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, he says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He goes on to say that for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. You see, the gospel is wisdom from God. Man in all his wisdom is trying to repair the damage of sin, is trying to get himself through his own wisdom and knowledge and insight back to God. But God, in what the world sees as foolishness, decides to come for man because man can never get to God. God puts on flesh. He walks through this world. He dies the death that we deserve. He rises from the grave victorious over sin. He offers to us forgiveness and freedom and life. He offers to us true wisdom that you can be saved only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that you can be fully forgiven, sins cast as far as the east is from the west, and not only that, then, by the grace of God, you can be filled with His Spirit, which gives you the power to live out the wisdom that the Word of God provides for you. Have you embraced the gospel? Truly. If not, God is inviting you right now to embrace what the world sees as foolish and become in this moment wiser with God than the wisest men on earth without God. You see, everybody needs a new beginning. All of us need a new beginning with God. The fear of the Lord is both a doorway and a pathway. It is a new beginning, but it never ends and you can walk through that doorway, and you can get going on that pathway, the only price you will pay is this, let God be God to you today. Wherever you're at with the Lord, the answer is the same. Fear the Lord. Seek His honor and glory. Delight yourself in Him. Wisdom, folly. I don't know about you, but I'm choosing wisdom. Wisdom required? Without a doubt. So let's begin here, together, with the fear of the Lord Jesus Christ, longing to please Him together as God's children, as God's family, longing to bring glory and honor to His name, the name that is above all names. Let's go through the door, and let's stay on the path together. Amen? Let's pray. God in heaven, we pray that, Lord, You would make this so amongst us. We're so thankful, Lord, for The gospel of Jesus Christ, from the wisdom that you have given us in the cross, what the world sees as foolish, Father, we cling to as the wisdom we need for life and joy and satisfaction. God, in and through Christ, we long to be those who walk in wisdom. And so we pray, Father, that you would work in a mighty way, not just today, but throughout this series to drive wisdom deep into our hearts, to make us a people of deep character who can think carefully and deeply about all things that we face in life and in this world. God, make it our supreme desire to be pleasing in your sight, to bring honor and glory to your name. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior, who is our model of wisdom, who is wisdom from above. We pray that you are pleased, Lord, to make us like our Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen.